Hey everybody, this is Adam. I just wanted to give you guys a heads up before we dive into this episode that we had to record this episode outside, so take it with a grain of salt. Um, you may hear some cars in the background, some leaves rustling. Uh, our guest even had a pet rooster, so you might hear that going off in the background. Uh, we do what we could do to scrub that background noise out, but there may be a few spots where there's a little uh, rough audio, so keep that in mind when you're listening. Also, you might hear a swat at mosquitoes. We probably got bit by more mosquitoes than we ever have before, so... If you're watching on the video, you're definitely going to see that, but uh, we hope you guys like this. There's a lot of great information, and uh, we'll dive into it. Enjoy. You're listening to StaggerCast, brought to you by StaggerGear. All right, so this is episode number 10 of StaggerCast. Uh, this is Adam. Uh, Isaac and I are back in New Hampshire today, and we're bringing a guest that's been requested by a lot of guys. He's an old-time buck hunter from New Hampshire, and we're sitting here with Charlie Foote. So thank you for doing this with us, Charlie. We appreciate it. Well, it's my privilege to be able to talk to you guys here tonight. <laughs> this is something that us old guys are all getting worn out, and we can pass along a little knowledge to help everybody else along. Glad to do it. Yeah. So. Is this the uh, first podcast you've ever done? Yes, it is. That's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, why don't you give us a little bit of a background on yourself, uh, how you get into hunting, what you do, um, and, and a little bit from there. Well, I started hunting when I was 11 years old. My family, you know, my family all hunted, and, you know, we had, my mother had, like, a hunting lodge, and, of course, all the deer come in there. All the deer hunters come in, you get to see all the deer, and, you know, I got, got introduced to hunting that way, and then, oh, you know, I hunted with my father some, and, you know, he was just a meat hunter. You know, of course, back in, you know, that you could shoot any deer that you saw, and basically that's what we did, and... You, you hunted to eat, eat back then, right? But, you yeah. hunted to eat, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, I got interested in tracking, and, you know, I got got lucky and shot me a, a decent buck on snow, and that kind of lit the fire, and, you know, I've been down here in this area here, you know, where we are, there's 800,000 acres of land that's open to the, open to everybody who wants to hunt, and, you know, there's a lot of country, not a lot of deer, and it's something you spend, you know, I tell everybody, I spend the whole deer season to see one rack buck. Yep, yep. And, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, generally when I see him, I'm trying to shoot him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not super picky then? No, you don't, I mean, if you're going to hunt in New Hampshire and you want to shoot a rack buck, well, you, you better be, you better be pulling trigger if That's you see right. something you might yep. like, you know. I mean, yep. You know, when you got snow on the ground, you can track in. You can you can pick out a bigger buck track to follow, and then right. you know sometimes you can look at them long enough. So if if it's something you don't want, you can but, split off. But yeah. you just you know you can pass on them. But you know out here the way things are now, you know you gotta you gotta you gotta take a shot that's offered. You know a lot of times it's not the ideal perfect shot, but. You can knock him down. You got snow and blood. You'll have him shortly. You so, know? so you would describe yourself as a as a tracker. Primarily, yeah. But I mean, down here, you know, a lot of winters we don't have snow. And then, you know, the last three years I've taken up scrape hunting, and you know, I've had really good luck. You know, I had my buck before snow came these last three years. So. Do yeah. you know the dates? the The dates on your last three? You said you got on the scrape. Well, uh, the first one that I got was in the middle of, of uh, muzzleloader season here in New Hampshire. Okay, so early November. And then the uh, the second one I got was 
would have been the first Sunday of rifle season. Okay. Yep. And then last year, the one that I got was a one hour into the first day of rifle season. No so. kidding. So all pretty early. Yeah. yeah early in the season. And then I think you know the one thing with the what I understand, you know, what I'm seeing about scrapes. There's a lot of young deer that come use these scrapes, and you mm-hmm. know you kind of got to pass up on them. And and I think you know they your older bucks will probably come in you know probably come in later but the other thing too in this country around here well like everywhere there's an awful lot more young bucks than there are old big bucks and mm-hmm. the big bucks are smart enough to stay out of sight where the other ones aren't you know so. yeah yeah being that you've been hunting for a while um do you think there's more big bucks around now or earlier in, in your career hunting was there more then or uh, <laughs> our buddy. Got the, the pet rooster we got around here yeah yeah. I think, you know, right now, probably, it's, you know, about, about, probably is about, maybe there's more now because I think in the area that I hunt, there's more, you know, more logging going on and there's more food available for the, you right. know, for the, for the deer to grow better on, you know. Yep. Yeah. So better habitat. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, so, you know, I think, you know, maybe we're getting smarter about how to hunt them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Old chicken. <laughs> yeah, he's a nuisance, that guy. Somebody, that's, that's what, your neighbor's, neighbor's rooster, right? Somebody dropped him off here. If you want a rooster, come get him. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, okay, yeah, so you would say you, would you track primarily if you can, but you've taken up still hunting and stand hunting and stuff in recent years when there wasn't as much snow? Would you say, so you describe yourself as a tracker when there's snow, but yeah, yeah, in, in recent years when there's been less snow, you've been taking the stand hunting and, and hunting yeah, scrape yeah. lines? Well, I, I like, you know, I like to like to still hunt pretty well, and I've had awful good luck calling and rattling. Okay. You know, yeah, that, that buck growl call that I was talking about, you know, I, I ended up tracking the deer to use that buck got buck growl call but i was on a scrape you know you get these calls and they all tell you about how wonderful it is and if you're going to call deer better get up in a tree so you don't get attacked by them (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you know i came to a real nice scrape there and i took this out and i said well you know everybody else been talking about how good it worked and so i blew it two or three times and you know i got a little impatient you know i was thinking ha ha this thing's as big a joke as anything and took two steps and there was a buck right there and he took off you know i i called in a buck but but no then kidding. you know i got on his track here you know it was first saturday of rifle season there and i found his track and you know he was a deer that was on testosterone overload i mean he was making scrapes and rubbing trees and checking every doe track he could find and then you know i came to a spot he going into the softwood and there was a little patch of open hardwood where i could see you know just you know Stopped in that open soft foot, I mean open hardwood, and got out my call and blew it three times. You know, did two growls and the, uh, two grunts and a big old growl, and I was tucking that thing in my shirt, and the deer literally charged me. No kidding. You know, we brought eight-point deer act to a gunfight. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the first one you ever had charge you like that? Well, that's the first yeah, one. First and only one. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that's pretty rare, right there. Yeah, well, I good. had one. You know, when I was rattling there. I had a deer come in somewhat of that, but you know that situation there. I think we're rattling, probably you know it's probably all the information, but rattling will work. It's up to the hunter to get there's rattling to where a deer can hear it. Once you get right. to where a buck can hear it, then and like the best situation that I know of is if you can get around a bunch of doves, or if you can mm. let doves walk by. And that you know that deer that I was telling you about that rattled in, there was. 
two does that come feeding up through there and you know I'd rattled twice and nothing happened and these does came through and I was looking them all over and matter of fact put my scope right upon seven power and couldn't find a horn on either one of them and, <laughs> and then you know I let them go by and then I rattled again and, and you know pretty good shape but I think the wind had died down a little bit well this buck come charging right down through I mean he was all bristled up he is laid back all his horns up you know and he's over here <laughs> I gotta turn around, throw my horn, turn around, and of course I'd left my rifle on seven power. So. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so when I got a whole rifle full of brown hair, I shot, and you know that was the end of that. But yeah, but you know this is something. Another good thing for rattling, you know, you get in where you know where does have fed the night before, and you take a lot of times these bucks will go downwind to where the deer have all fed just to check and see if there's any does in heat, and is apt to be you know, scrapes and stuff around there. You know, you go in in the morning with a drag drag and put down a good hot doe scent and climb up in a tree and spread it around. I mean, that's what they're looking for that time of the year. And yep. Do some calling and, you know, it, it, you can bring them in that way. And that's worked out for you, what, the last three years, you said, right, that type of hunting? Yeah, I've got, you know, three bucks the last three years, you know, with the, you hunting know, with scrapes. The, mm-hmm. And another thing I've had good luck with is, is uh, that big wide, 10 pointer there that I got that one we had you know down here where we live is you know we're at a thousand feet up in the mountains you're at 2500 feet mm-hmm. well down here you know it rained and come daylight in the morning they looked up there on top of the hill and there was some snow up there so you know up a go and there was a ridge up there and what I like to do I like to walk these ridges and you get up in the softwood and up in there there's a lot of places you can see down in the hardwood a long ways the wind was right so you know i went all the way around the ridge and got to the other side came back down it the wind was kind of backwards for me but i was up enough so i could see out where they couldn't and there was a spot there where the deer all was crossed i got to that spot figuring there might be a buck track here and and there was two moose tracks and a bear so <laughs> So then what I did, there was a, I got out my GPS and there was a spot further over that the box had been working there, you know, big time a year ago. So I put out, you know, put on some dough and heat scent and, you know, doctored things up and I laid me a track down through and there was a spot where I went through, there was an old a clear cut there and there was a patch of, of uh, softwood both sides of it and then there was a nice finger of hardwood went down through it and there was quite a bit of deer activity there so I walked down through there and went over where the bucks were and there was you know last year and there was nothing there which is not unusual for this area yep I was coming back up through that spot and that son of a gun was following my tracks right down through there just as pretty as could be really (laughs) and what did he weigh that one ended up weighing 249 pounds (laughs) and that was your heaviest one ever right yeah yeah yeah. that's that's a big deer yeah, that's a big deer. Buck. It was exactly two miles from where he dropped to get him out of the woods. No kidding. <laughs> all by yourself? Well, I, my wife, you know, my wife, I got to give all the credit to my wife. She puts up with an awful lot of obsessions for me and stuff, <laughs> but she insists every time I get a buck, I come get her to help me drag it out. Oh, so no I kidding. I went and got her, and we dragged it as far as we could and left it. And I had two friends that I told about it. and get out the truck and the truck was parked there and they'd been tracking us down they went back to get them to to help them and they headed out to a road there where we didn't load it i got a deer buggy in the national forest you can't put an atv in the forest so we put it in that deer buggy and brought it out but yeah but that was you know that deer was following you know following the dough and a hot dough scent is what he was following and, no kidding and you, you said know. he was right on a fr- on a hardwood finger down through mm-hmm. some softwoods 
He was in an area where there was a... Fa- yeah, yeah. What there was is actually it was a natural funnel there. There was kind of a gotcha. rocky spot here and another rocky spot there and a bunch of softwood in this clear, you know, clear finger of hardwood. And that's, you know, just a place where all the animals travel. Yep. And, and he was right there. No kidding. No, it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It wasn't, you know... Yep. yep. Just cruising through. He was out looking for a doe. Yeah, yeah. You know, you take early on before they find those. Like, you know, you you get on a buck track, it's looking for a doe, especially early... And, Right. You know, and I've gone 20 miles and never even bothered him, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. And yeah. you said that was 249, correct? Yeah, that was all dressed, cleaned right out. And he, yep. was a, he was the number one buck in the state that year. Boy, really? boys, no yeah. kidding. Yeah. A lot of the guys we talked to had, had referred to you as the guy that's killed a lot of 200-pounders in New Hampshire. How many 200-pounders have you taken in New Hampshire that were over 200, over 200 pounds? Yeah, I've shot 13 of them that dressed over 200. 13. Yeah. yeah. And 249 is the biggest. Wow. It's What's your next number. biggest one after the 249? 230. 230. What's the story on that buck? Well, that was the one that that, um, that rack's laying right over there. There again, it was a, uh, what there was here was a, you know, we had rain down here. And I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and, and you know, headed up, up into the high country. And up about 2,500 feet, there was, there was about four inches of snow. And... You know, I drove out this road and found this track. So, you know, I said, well, it's about three hours before I can get daylight. I went back and got breakfast and got on my wool clothes and my rubber boots. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, the weather was so bad that that day I took an open-sided 30-30 rifle with me. Yep. And went back up in there and, you know, and I had to take my glasses off. You couldn't keep that working. You couldn't keep a scope rifle working. So when I got back up there, it was about quarter after seven, daylight enough so you could see pretty good, turned to rain. And the wind was probably a steady 20 miles an hour gust into 35. And the tracks that were there at 4 o'clock were just dimples in the snow now. Yep. So, you know, I knew it was a fresh track. And, you know, I started in on the track. And, and I came to where another deer had crossed. And, and uh, you know, there again it knows, you know, the old big buck, he makes a two tracks, what I call, you know, they out in line like the small deer mm. out there. You see, staggered. They got staggered, And yeah. they, you know, they have to be, you know, a lot longer and wider and stuff. And so I knew which track to take. And what he did then, he went into a, into a place where there was a lot of little beech trees about, you know, shoulder to head high, and they still had their leaves on them. And every time a wind blow, I'd take a couple steps. You know, the wind was constantly, but then it gust. And when I came to the edge of those little beech trees, you know, I looked over there, and 10 yards away, there's a back leg of a deer and a, and a stomach. But I'm thinking, you know, it can't possibly be a buck. He's that close. And then, you know, the buck will, the deer will do the same thing a horse does. When they're in bad weather, they'll stand with their rump to the wind. Well, that's what he was doing. And then he shook just like a dog does. And when he shook, there was a spruce tree that he was standing behind. I could see the tip of an antler on the tip of his nose, and I could see his hind leg and his belly. So, <laughs> you know, the only thing I could do was to, is to kind of guess where his shoulder was and pulled up and shot. And when I did, he turned around and ran right at me there. And he, I got all seven shots off before. <laughs> <laughs> but he ended up, you know, that deer ended up dressing 230 and, you know, Good part of it was my buddy didn't want to go hunting with me that morning. They came back two hours later and stopped in, uh, come in looking like a drowned rat. Said, "Boy, I could use some coffee." And they were laughing at me. One of them finally said, "You see anything?" And I said, "Yeah, he's laying out in the back of my truck." No kidding. 
And that's an unbelievable rack. But, you know, I mean, it's one of those things that I think, you know, what happened that day that the weather was just so bad that he wasn't traveling. And when I looked, he had just gotten up out of a bed. You know, he was was wet. And, you know, all the wind and the noise from those little trees, he he couldn't, he he never knew what hit him. You know, it was just one of those things that the weather was on my side that day. You know, I mean, how often are you going to get within... 10 yards of a bucket like that you know yep. it doesn't happen unless things are really in your favor you know yep yeah they refer to those days as the killing days there it's those days where you get the high winds or you get the yep. days where the that fresh snowfall is falling off the trees and you really can get in on on those days it seems like yeah huh. do you yeah. usually cover a lot of ground charlie like well, when you're when you're out looking for a track like you put on yeah, I, you know, I'm like everybody else. I ride the roads until it gets daylight, and then there's places that I like to go check. And yep. you know, there was, well, there was one there that I shot. Well, it was, it was a young deer, and that one. I'll give the whole story on that one here in okay. just a second. But the the uh, the day, a couple days before, we'd had a, you know, we'd had snow up high, and I got up high, and there was a hell of a buck track up there, and a real nice buck track. And I followed him around the mountain up there, and ended up being that he went down out of the snow, and, you know, I couldn't go anymore. So, you know, not being young anymore, I was pretty tired the next day, and there was another spot that I know up here where the, you know, when the bucks get chasing the does, that they, you know, they'll be in this spot. So I went up in there that day, and, and uh, you know, there was a lot of chasing tracks going on up there, and the situation there, you know, spread out a bunch of does scent, do some calling, rattling, you know, maybe you can convince somebody else that there's something going on. Well, nothing happened that day, and so I said, well, this is good. I'll go back the next day, you know, find something. And then I, you know, we had probably three inches of new snow, and I said, well, you know, this new snow, I'm going back up and see if that old big buck was around there, and I headed up the road there into toward where he was, and and there was a buck track in the road up there. I mean, it was snowing pretty good, and there was not a single speck of snow on that track. And I said, man, I'm going right here. So I, you know, loaded up my gun, took off up the ridge and went up a ridge and peeked over on the next ridge, and the buck was standing there. So from 18 minutes from when I slammed the truck door shot, I was holding his horns. Jeez. <laughs> but the thing that was a... That buck there, he was a two-and-a-half-year-old buck. He dressed 211 pounds, which was a nice buck. But... His face was all swollen up. His neck was all swelled up. His front leg was all swelled up. And then, you know, when I skinned the deer out, I found out the rest of the story. He'd just been in a huge fight, and he had got badly beaten. And, you know, that's why, you know, why, I mean, he was staying there with his head down. He was really hurting. Oh, and, no, yeah. But, yeah. You okay. know, there again, it's one of those things that have to beat the right spot at the right time and yeah. took advantage of it. So. Yeah. Jeez. Do you would you say that you kill a lot of your deer in like a similar area, or do you kind of have a lot of different spots you go, or do you have like one area that's particularly well, better I than hunt, other? You know, there's two townships around here that I hunt in that compose you know roughly seventy two thousand acres. Yep. <laughs> and all of those two hundred pounders have come out of that same area. Gotcha. You know, yep. it. I try to you know try to if there's beach one year I'll hunt the beach and if there's some acorns I can hunt that and then there's a couple apple orchards there that are getting pretty well grown up now those are worth checking out you know and then of course the new cutting that they do around you know you want to you want to stay stay close to as new a cutting as you can get there you know so yeah that's a key the the new cuts yeah yeah that's where you find a lot of the yeah the yeah bigger well bucks. they you know things work the best for them yeah you know you take 
like I tell everybody, you know, when there's new, somebody puts in a new cut in the area, it's like having a Walmart drop in your backyard. It's open 24 hours a day. And there's no cash here to get anything you want. You don't have to travel far. You know, the big thing with the deer is survival in the wintertime. Right. If they can get in the softwood out of the, out of the wind and the snow and then jump over the fence and climb out into a clear cut, they are no everything. Thing is sticking up out of the snow. They can eat all they want, and you know they expend no energy. They put it into growing their body, and it, it's it's right. really great for the deer, you know. So, yeah. but one thing I wanted to ask you was: Have you noticed that the biggest bucks will be near the best habitat? It doesn't even matter how far off the road it is. If you get what I'm saying, like, because I always thought the biggest bucks were going to be the farthest back, like the farthest away from all the roads. And, and sometimes I'd be going way out in the middle of nowhere and the big buck would be way back by the road next to a, a brand new cut. Yeah, have you, I, have you well, noticed that, I mean, that the biggest bucks are going to be in the best habitat and it doesn't matter where it is? It could be next to a bunch of houses. Well, huh? it, it could very well be. I mean, they're getting smarter. I mean, yep. you know, I tracked one a year ago there, went 150 yards and jumped him right out of somebody's back dooryard. <laughs> yep. You know, I didn't end up getting that deer, but, you know, yep. I wasn't prepared for that deer to be there, but he'd figured out that nobody bothered him before we had any snow there. Right, and, yeah. Know, that was that's so where he was. <laughs> the big bucks are smart. They're smart. They are. That's yeah. how they get to be big and old, you that's know. That's right. Yeah. That's a good point. But, hmm. What do you do for scouting-wise? Do you do, do you do a lot of summer scouting or, or anything like that? Do you do any scouting or you kind of just go on a whim? Well, I usually do my goes? scouting with a gun in my hand. <laughs> okay, okay, gotcha. No, I mean, the big thing, the summer scouting around here, you know, there's a big transition period from when, you know, they are not the same animal in September as they are in November. Mm -hmm. And, yep. you know, they, in this area around here, you know, the, like, the acorns drop later on, the beech nuts drop later on. Of course, they're around the food all the time, but the big thing here is to find, you know, to find a deer when you're ready to hunt them. And, I mean, you can find them in the summertime. You go there and, you know, they're Gun. five miles away. So, you know, the best best time to, to scout is when you can can shoot them right now. When yeah. there's snow, right? Yeah, yeah, snow. <laughs> you know, snow's yeah. a big thing. But, you know, yeah. another thing is, you know, tracks. A lot of, you know, deer runs, rubs and scrapes. You know, I love a big old scrape, a big old rub. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, there's some places there, these, you know, you get into these old signpost rubs where the, you know, the same thing gets rubbed every year. You know, around here, the favorite favorite tree form is probably brown ash trees. You know, I, mm -hmm. I can show you something around here that are dead. They've been rubbed on too long. And then, you know, they seem to like basswood pretty well. Mm. And then hemlock and balsam, and then you know they they rub everything else that they get the mind to. But, right. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. Huh. I got a question for you. This is actually uh, someone submitted this question. They want to know what do you think is the biggest uh, thing that you're doing that's allowed you to kill you know bigger than average bucks over the years compared to other people. What do you think is your your one ingredient that you have what's going on. What's your secret? Yeah, what, what do you think the... <laughs> what's my secret? Yeah, what's yeah, your what do you secret? Got going on well, I'll tell you the same thing that I tell every, everybody when we go, you know, when I go hiking a lot. Okay. 80% psychological, 20% physical. Get your mind in it. Do not get discouraged and be just as happy to go hunting the last day as you are the first day. That's some you great advice. You cannot spend enough time in the woods, and especially when the rut's going on or... You know, when the when the bucks start chasing the does all over the place, man, if you're not in the woods, you're missing a good chance. And 
I tell everybody, every time you find an excuse to stay home, you're giving a buck a new life. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it right there. That's pretty yeah. good. I yep. mean, you know, you can't kill them sitting on the couch. I mean, nope. you got to be out there in the woods and, you know, mm -hmm. short of a major hurricane, I'm out there somewhere <laughs> kicking around. Yep. So you're hunting every day you can. Yeah. Every I day do, you can. You know, yep. Now I'm getting older. I don't, I don't cover the ground that I used to, but, you know, you go out there and find, you know, like, like that. Eight minute, eighteen minute buck. I mean, you yeah. know how perfect could that get? You Can't know? beat that. The one I was telling you about that took five minutes. You know, yeah. just because I'd given up on one buck and was done right. for the day, and found a you know buck in a doe track right there. It doesn't get any prettier than that. You know. Yeah. That's... Stand up on the old little lump there and give him a call. Man, he's <laughs> yeah. gonna. You know these these old bucks when they're with a doe that's in heat. You know, she's spreading sand all over the countryside, and all the other bucks. You know, they're going to key in on it, and they, you know, they're going to come in and try to take that buck, that doe away from that buck. And I mean, they, you know, they, they, <laughs> they, they cause a big buck a lot of grief. And a lot of times, if you yeah. can convince that big buck that you're another buck, you know, he's going to come chase you away and you right. got him right in your lap. I mean, if you find a buck in the doe track in the morning, by all rights and means, unless you do something terribly stupid, you'll see that buck before the day's over and get a chance to shoot at him. Oh, yep. But, no kidding. Hmm. How old are you, Charlie? Hmm? How old are you? 74. Not bad. You're killing them still. Hmm? You're still killing them. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, this is something that, you know, my wife and I do a lot of hiking. You know, this yeah. 48, 4,000-foot mountains here in New Hampshire, and that's where yeah. we are. Tried to get out there every other day. So Yeah, let's yep. touch on that a little bit. How uh, You hike every other day, you said? Try to, yeah. Every yeah, other day. Yeah, yeah. And that's a big part of your life is hiking and, yeah, and staying it is. active. Well, this is, you know, this is something that, you know, I retired 11 and a half years ago. And the time yep. I retired, I weighed 235 pounds. And now I weigh 165 pounds. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. I've dumped 70 pounds and yep. aches and pains have gone away. And, you know, walking in the mountains, it keeps your legs built up. You know, it's the yep. same muscles you're going to use tracking deer. And yep. it, Good know, cardio it, all the time. Yeah. And then, you know, another thing that my wife really likes to do is, is uh, bushwhacking. Yep. And there's two lists in New Hampshire of, of the what they call the 500 highest mountains, and only about 20% of them have got trails. Oh, no kidding. So what you do then, you know, I use a GPS and, you know, map and compass, but it keeps your wood skills tuned right up perfect. I mean, you you know, here's the mountain over there, and, you you know, well, I put it in the gps and follow the gps i mean you know and the gps will get you there and you can follow your way back or you can set up your map and compass and take a compass bearing and you know you fight your way up some awful nasty stuff sometimes but <laughs> yeah. traveling all these places that you see you find some good bucks on i was somewhere. just gonna i was just gonna <laughs> ask you have you ever found a big deer hiking yeah i found you know found some decent sign and stuff that i've used and you know, mainly I've, you know, I hunt around this area, you know, a fairly mm -hmm. small area. I've seen some wicked sign. Well, there was a place up in, in um, oh, uh, just south of Littleton up there. We were climbing up a mountain up there, and I saw the dog on this buck scrape up there I've ever seen. I didn't, I didn't march smart enough to put it in my GPS, <laughs> but, you know, it was on a little oak ridge, and there was a little patch of softwood there, and there was a a scrape there that probably was 15 feet in diameter. I mean, I think <laughs> really? every buck in the country was there no scraping kidding. up. You know, that's the craziest scrape I've ever seen. Yep. No you ever killed any bucks off of that area up there? 
No, I never hunted there. Never got back up there. Just no, just a crazy no. it's scrape one of those you ever things seen. I got you know I got all the all the hunting I can handle right here. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. yeah. good good way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and and you know I spent the better part of sixty years of my life roaming around this area, so you know I can kind of clue in on on what might be available, and that's the first place I go check. And you know it seems to. You spend a lot of time in one spot, you learn a lot about it, you know. Mm, yep, yep, that's yep. fair. And yeah, you get you got a scorecard to to prove that right there, <laughs> which is pretty impressive. <laughs> All right, jumping back in here, Charlie. I had a question. So, being that you've killed, you know, a lot of 200-pound bucks and a lot in the 180s, 190s, 170s, what do you, is there any common characteristics that you see between those big bucks? Like something that they're all doing. I know every deer is different, but is there something like a major key there or similarity between all those that you're seeing? The well, big, big ones. I think probably what a lot of it is, you know, these, probably the biggest bucks that I've shot have been, you know, right toward the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And I think what's going on with that is that the, the uh, you know, the rut is pretty well wound down, but the, you know, the big bucks know when the, when the rut's really cranking up and, and, you know, they come take control of it. And then... You know, when it's winding down, they're you know they're still looking big time for for more does, and you know they they cover some ground and you know like that one right there, that old buck there shot him next to the last day of the season. I knew he was in the area because I'd seen his track two or three times, and and uh, so I went looking for him across two smaller tracks, and then I found his track, and I went up behind us. There was a big old ledge up here. He went behind and down the other side and there was a major deer on there and I looked the major deer on his track had gone down and come up it so he saved me a, an untold amount of time there <laughs> I went just a little bit further and I, I see him jump up and he left and so I went up and looked and that deer was was old and tired the deer couldn't even he, he couldn't even run he just staggered and you know I, I had to jump him four more times but eventually he was standing right between two little spruce trees and you know that was the end of him but but that was you know there again it was the end of the season i think you know all these old big bucks have been worn down from 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 rotten and also i think you know a lot of them have been in big fights and nursing injuries and stuff and if you could catch up with a big buck at the end of the season chances are a lot better than they are at the beginning you know mm. look at that one you got a bunch of points right here broken off and there yep. and over yep. there and, and what buck was it you said that was beat up that you shot that one that you got you were telling us about before what'd you say what was buck was it was it this buck right here the one that was all beat up you said that you got? no no that was a two and a half year old buck oh, oh no kidding gotcha. he probably got tangled up or something like that <laughs> i guess yeah, so right? yeah that's something yeah that so, one they addressed 219 that's a beauty next right to there. the last day of the season so. so that's a big deer yeah yeah that's yeah, a really big he was, deer you know he was pretty well worn down so he could have been technically around 250 beginning of the year right probably was yeah 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 that's yeah, a, yeah. a giant buck man was New a, Hampshire buck right there. That was the last year that the uh, Belknap County Sportsman's Association had their buck pool in. That buck won the buck pool, and I got a brand new 30-06 out of it. <laughs> no kidding. That's awesome. That's pretty good. But, but so, you late. know, that was, again, the next to the last day. And, you know, I got a 10-pointer over there dressed 222. That one I shot the, the very last minute to last day. No kidding. That old buck, I followed him all day. He was with two does, and. Never had a chance. Didn't see them. Then there was an apple orchard back up in the mountains that they, you know, they feed in sometimes. And I got pretty close to that, and I ran around the other side of it, and he was just coming out. But that one dressed 222. 
and Jeez. it was you know it was the last minute the last day probably five minutes later and it would have been too dark to shoot but <laughs> no kidding but you know there again i mean keep your mind in the game that's and right go right after it and, yep and so it's that late season late season pattern that you think you're killing your biggest bucks on hmm? the late season pattern is kind of what you're killing your biggest bucks on getting them in the late season yeah the yep. late season and, yep. you know i mean of course you know my friend i was telling about he's a bow hunter and he's an avid deer hunter and he shot two bucks last year one with his bow one with his rifle and they both dressed 239 pounds both of them <laughs> yeah and he, the one he shot with his rifle he shot the opening day of rifle season so you know he was in the right spot where they were feeding well and yep. you know you just got to be where they are the yep. whole idea is find some big tracks some big grubs and scrapes and spend all the time you can there you know good yep. things are going to happen do you have a most memorable tracking story that you can think of? Your best tracking story. You got one? And I'm sure you got a lot of them. But is there <laughs> well, one that... I can tell you my best tracking story. Let's hear okay. it. You're probably disappointed in it, but <laughs> a friend of mine wounded a buck. He told me all about what a you know what a nice buck it was, and he wounded it, and and uh, he had to had to leave the track. So he told me where it was, and so you know I figured you know he'd wounded it, and it'd be just. The next day, you know, I'll go clean right up, and I'll have that buck here by noon. Well, I went up there and took his track, and away we went. Well, that was a, probably the smartest old buck I ever tracked there. When I when I got on his track, I jumped him, and there was a small lake here. And the son of a gun jumped in the lake and swam across the lake. Wow. You know, <laughs> you could see where they broke the ice and stuff. Yep. And then, you know, I... He went a little ways further, you know, and he came into a deer, a deer path, you know, a nice deer path. And, you know, I'm watching, you know, and he, he had a funny gait and he was bleeding. But when I came to that deer path, you know, I was kind of looking, looking at his tracks and looking at his tracks. And I didn't see it. Well, what that son of a gun did was he went down the track, backed up exactly in his own tracks and just jumped right off to the side. And then the next trip, it was up his sleeve. The son of a gun get into a brook. You know, and he ran down the brook. And I had to go a ways, quite a ways down the brook. And there was like a tree that was across the brook. It had a little snow on it. And you could see where he dripped the water in it. And there was three different times that that buck let me walk right by him. You know, he'd crawl in under a little spruce tree, you know. And I'd probably be within 10 yards of him, walk by him. And he'd sneak out and leave behind me there. No kidding. But... He knew how to play the game then, huh? Yeah, yeah, he really did. And, I mean, you know, that was, that buck here, you know, I tracked him all that day, and I tracked him the next day until noon, and the snow melted, and I didn't get him. And he had a bullet hole in him too, right? Hmm? And he had a bullet hole in him, right? You said your friend hit him? He had a bullet hole in him? Yeah, 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 he did. And he's still and, I doing mean, that. the deal was leaking all day, and it just, you know, that was, you know, that probably was my most memorable story. I mean, that deer there... You know, I was young, you know, he gave me a college education on how to track bucks that day right there. And, I mean, yep. every trick that he could pull, you know, get into the brook, you know, <laughs> jump off sideways, crawl in under a tree and let you walk by. And, and he just, you know, he just, it Smart was one. the last day that I tracked him, there was three different people took his track. And within 200 yards, he'd lost all three of them. I mean, that's just how hard a track it was to follow. I mean, you never walked in his track, and you almost had to go track to track. And, you know, that was a buck here that, 
probably if there'd been two people working on that track, well, somebody could have been watching instead right. of having to watch the track so much all the time that you know you might have you might have seen that deer. But but that from my information was a was a was the best tracking story I've got. I didn't get the deer, but boy, did I learn a lot. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. taught you a lot for your future track jobs for sure. Then yeah, yeah. yeah. What's huh. the what's the farthest you think you've ever tracked a buck before? Probably that, you know that, oh, that one I got the last minute, the last day. I figured that one there probably was 18 to 20 miles. I mean, he just kept going all day. He and his two girlfriends, and and, and then I've you know I've had them at you know that. Oh, I've had them, you know, take them in the morning, shoot them later on in the afternoon, and you know, like I said, the shortest one was five minutes, and yeah. eighteen minutes, and then <laughs> you 18, know, 20 miles. That's a long. Most ways. of the time, you know, you, you can get them in. The, you had to, you know, you have to get them when you can see them there. But right. but you know, the conditions. It was one I shot here not too awful long ago. That the oh, we had a new snow one day, and it was great. And then it warmed up and rained, and the next morning it was, you know, tracking deer in the slush, and and the stuff was dripping off the trees all day. It was hard to track him because there were slush tracks all over the deer tracks. But it ended up being that, you know, we get all the get all the softwood up on the hardwood ridge, and it peaked up over and only laying right there in his bed, just as pretty as could be. But you know, the only reason that it worked, it was so much noise from things falling off of trees that day right. that you know it was perfect. It covered your scent and covered your sounds and, mm-hmm. and that was the end of him <laughs> yeah yeah what's the uh, what's the story on that five minute buck well a five minute buck was a what there was here was a swamp and there's a road halfway around it that you can drive on and then the other halfway is a logging road so i went up there you know it was that was the year we had you know well, the snow was about six inches deep here it was a rainy foggy morning I went up the road there, and there was one small buck across the road, and I went a little further, and another one across the road, and they parked my truck. And down in then, there was another smaller buck across the road, and I said, man, there's a lot of deer in here, and it went halfway around and found the track. It probably was a 180-pound buck, and I said, well, that's good enough for me, and took after that one, and 10.30 in the morning, the fog, fog lifted, and and I was looking at that buck, was looking at each other, but you know, he, <laughs> my gun was here and stood up here, and he took off, and I didn't get a, you know, I shot at him, scared him, tried to scare him to death, but it didn't work. <laughs> so he went up the hill, and there was a ridge up there, and up on top of the ridge was, you know, I jumped him again, but it was like two o'clock in the afternoon, so, you know, I had a long ways to go. So what I like to do up in there is, is there's a, you know, there's a softwood ridge where the, you know, where the hardwood comes up against it. And I've had awful good luck. You know, you walk down that ridge and you look for a fresh track. And a lot of times these bucks, when stormy weather like this, will get up and feed a little bit. And if you find the track, you're bedded right there. And what's even better, you know, see one coming off the ridge. But the next best thing is to find a track coming off where they're feeding. You know, the old deer is busy stuffing his belly and not paying attention behind him. And, you know, he can sneak right up on him and shoot him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I ended up being, I went down the ridge and didn't find any tracks. We go down a little low and there was a dome and a couple of fawns down there. And, you know, I didn't want them. Down a little further, there was a place where the road fought. You go to the right and there was a road out there that was plowed. Cross by then, my legs were really tired. And I said, and then there's the one that I was on. Wasn't plowed, but it was bring me out a half a mile closer to home so it was all downhill so I go down there a little further and, and there was a you know like I said it was a you know rainy snowy foggy day 
and there was a you know there was a buck track and a doe track down there and I mean they were they were smoking hot fresh. And I said, well, you know, the only thing I can do is there was a little knoll right there and I just hopped up on the knoll and get out my old call there and you take a lot of time when there's you know when there's a buck with a doe and heat there's other bucks around pestering him if you can convince him that you're a competitor he's going to come back and chase you off well i get up and did my calling and look down the ridge there a little ways and there's a spruce tree there and there was a back end of a deer sticking out and i got looking through my scope and in the spruce tree i could see his see an ear and see an eye and see the nose of white around his nose and see an antler base so I said well there's my buck there so I just kind of drifted down his down his you know shoulder and you know I could see the back end I could see his nose about halfway down and halfway back is about where it should should be and I shot me a spruce tree now the buck came there so <laughs> but I you know I he uh you know I had him hit pretty good and you know and that's another thing too most people will talk about letting a deer lay after you hit it and all this stuff well i don't you hit a buck and it's just like running over him with a truck it's going to take a while for things to start working right so that's right i ran right after him and jumped him out of a bed right there he didn't go 100 yards and bedded and shot at him again and missed he went and made another bed and that was just a classic. It was right on a little bit of a knoll, and that old buck, one jump either way, and he's gone. Well, I didn't see him that time. His five feet's bedding down that quick, and, I mean, he was bleeding all the time pretty good, you know, a lot. And next time I caught him in his bed, and, you know, well, that was the end of him. But, you know, that deer ended up dressing 222 pounds, and like I said, it took from the time I saw his track till I was shooting at him was just five minutes. So it's just a matter of being in the right place at the right time, and then, you know, there's the information right there in the snow. All you got to do be smart enough to say, yeah, I can do something with this buck and take advantage of it, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. Using, using your mind there. Use the 80% here that to talk about there, you know. Yep. So, yep. yep. It's all mental. Yeah, That's a lot of it is. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's, yeah. yeah, tracking in general, it's a big mental I game. Think, I think it is, yeah. yeah. Do you think that you're such a hiker, do you think that helps with the mental thing when it comes to deer season? Yeah, it probably grit. does. Yeah, yeah. I yep. mean, you know, this is something hiking all the time. It, it helps keep you in shape, and you know, I love the deer hunt. I'm sure both of you guys do too. I mean, that's that's my my thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's what keeps me awake. Probably think about it every day. Yeah. My <laughs> wife tells me I'm obsessed, and I agree with her. <laughs> yeah. And nothing wrong with that. That's right. Nothing yep. wrong with that. I kind of want to switch gears here a little bit. Um, for someone that wants to get into hunting the White Mountains and big woods and stuff like you do and like we do. What would be your, your tip for them to, if they wanted to be successful in, in hunting these big woods? What would you suggest to them? Get a real good GPS and get well acquainted with it. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, you got to cover a lot of ground, and if you're worried about getting lost, you know, you're not paying attention. And, they, you know, they make a lot of good maps of these areas. The National Forest puts them out. With, you know, I'm sure you folks with the, with the cell phones today, you know, you can get anything you want on the cell phones. And, <laughs> yeah. And, uh you know, I mean, but the whole idea, you got to cover some ground, you got to find a deer, you know, in this area here, the deer are, are scattered around in pockets, and if you're not where they are, you're yep. going to waste a lot of time. Yeah. The whole idea, you know, I use my GPS religiously, and, you know, I've got a lot of years of information in that GPS, and I want to look something up and go there, well, bang, and I'm off, you know, I'm not wasting a lot of time traveling in country where I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. Right. So you you say focus on finding that productive country, 
putting time in and then kind of boiling it all down from there. Yeah, yeah. That would be you, what you, you were You want to spend the most amount of time that you can in the best sign that you can find. That's, that's a good know, point. You know, be it yep. still hunting, be it hunting on snow, calling and rattling, you know, you get, you know, I love to get laid down a, you know, a dull and heat trail and, and still hunt my way through and if I find something I like, then I make a fish hook back around and do some calling and rattling. You know, it's a great thing to have a buck sneak up behind you, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you <better> than that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's kind of, that's interesting how you said there, as I don't think a lot of guys are doing that. They're they're dragging through an area. Yeah, and yeah. That you, so you're dragging through an area that's got a lot of sign and you're just kind of doing loops well, back you know, and forth. What I, what I try to do, you know, is an area where it's got good sign or something and, you know, lay it. You know, I don't start at the truck because a lot of times you're laying a scent backwards, so a buck will be going to your truck while you're going the other way. But, <laughs> yep. Yep. but you know, fresh it up once in a while to come into an area where I think there might be some deer. And, and you know, I put down a scent, scent trail, and, and you know, I, I'm i not one who only goes 100 yards an hour. You know, I cover a little more ground than that. You know, I'll peek up over my nose and look around and stuff. But, you know, you lay a scent trail, and then, you know, if the wind is what you want to do, you want to get downwind to your scent trail and just get out of the way a little bit so the buck will end up walking by you. <laughs> and then, you know, you can you can get a look at him and, you know, use you know use your own eyes and sights and maybe you come into a spot and you'll see a deer. Or, but, you know, everything that you can do to help yourself up in here where the deer density is so low, the better it is for you, you know, rattling and calling. I tell everybody I do a lot of rattling to have it work once a year. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it usually does. I mean, last year I rattled in a buck that I outarranged my muzzle loader, but I was sitting on a scrape. I hadn't seen anything on the scrape and get up my horns and rattled. And I did my dog on just to scare him to death, but it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> do you use real antlers or do you use fake antlers? What'd you say? The rattle, do you use real antlers? Yeah, I use real antlers. You do? I've got two left-handed antlers that I use. Oh, okay. And what I can do is they ride right under my jacket right on my left shoulder. Oh. Okay. You know, I can throw up my rifle and shoot. If I want to rattle, I just get them out and rattle and stick them back in there again. And, you know, I use the doe can call and the butt growl call and the grunt call. Make all kinds of deer sounds out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The more you can sound like a deer, the better it is. But Yep. Do you look for sheds much? I haven't as much as I used to, but, you know, I used to spend quite a bit of time looking for shed. Yeah, you did, I mean, yeah. you're in an area where there's a decent buck. If you find a shed, you know he's made it. So That's right, yeah. He's there for next year unless, you know, we have, we have a, you know, I've found found them after the season two or three times and be all excited about it. But, you know, you take a rough winter around here and, and these big bucks are in, in terrible shape, you know, when it's over. And, and I guess... In all reality, I want to kind of say that I think maybe that that's mother's nature's mother nature's way of keeping the gene pool turned over. I mean, the buck is an expendable thing. He's the yeah. strongest, biggest buck one year, and he spreads his genes all around. And then if he dies through the winter, then the next buck comes along, and it's a different set of genes, and it, it you know it keeps the gene pool turned over and keeps our, keeps that deer healthy. You know, it makes so, a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. makes a lot of sense. Good way to look at it. Yeah, that's just something. I was in Yellowstone out there talking with a ranger out there, and the elk were in there right out there. And of course, they heard up a harem out there, you know, and they they do their thing. But they said out there that the that these old big herd bulls, you know, the most premium bull in the area, he gets so worn down that by the end of the rut, that the wolves end up killing them. Gotcha. You know, it's the same thing. It keeps the gene pool turned over, and I think it's a lot of the same thing that happens here with our big bucks. You know, we. Yep. They're in terrible shape when the winter comes, and 
you know, they could be banged up bad, and if they can't walk around enough to eat, they're going to starve to death. So. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep, and there's not a lot of feed up in these hills if there ain't much yep. cutting. So. I yep. mean, they're Makes an expendable sense. thing. I mean, the only thing they do is to, in the deer pool is, contri- is contribute genes. That's those do the rest of it, you know. So yep. They're in love with a one-night stand. Yep, that's right. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. I think it's incredible the amount of bucks that you've you've killed over your lifetime. It's it's very impressive. I I think uh, your hiking has a lot to do with your success. You know the the amount of ground you can cover and stuff. I think it's really well, interesting. Think, you know, I think, I think it's, it's really get, interesting. As I, you know, as you get older, you know, keep walking. There's yep. the three different guys that I hike with. Yeah, they they take my admiration. Two of them are 81 years old, and one of them is 79 years old. Wow. The guy that's 79 years old climbed Moose Lock every month since he was 50. Wow. It's going to be 340 times. He never missed a month, and he's had both hips replaced. Wow. Wow. And you take these 4,000-foot mountains around here, there's 48 of them, and he's got one hike left, and he will have climbed all 48 of them from all four points of the compass. Never mind trails. Just gird up over these mountains. <laughs> And then these, you know, okay. he got one hike left, and he will have, will have finished what they call a grid over 75. And the, the, the grid is is to climb all 48 mountains in all four, all 12 months of the year. Wow. And then there was two other guys that are 81, and they both have finished the grid no over kidding. 75. No you know kidding. I mean? They just... They're incredible. <laughs> They're out yeah. there. You know, these guys are 81 years old, and I'm having trouble keeping up with them, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. no but I think the whole idea is, you know, that they don't stop. They just keep going. You know? Right. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's mindset, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, mindset, and I think it keeps the body limbered up. And, you know, yeah. you see these old guys that are they're my age that aren't, aren't walking around much, and they're walking with a cane, and they're probably carrying 50 pounds more than they should be. And Right. You know, it's all about trying to stay in shape. So that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do what we like to do if you aren't taking care of your legs and taking care of your body. That's yeah, right. Yeah. So you're heavily involved with the uh, New Hampshire Antlers Skull and Trophy Club, right? Yeah. 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 Are you one of the founders of that? Well, I was one of the first scorers that they had there. There was Brian Ellison and and uh, Roscoe and myself and a bunch of other people. You know, I've been been pretty much scoring since it started, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so you've seen a lot of impressive deer over the Yeah, over I do, yeah, yeah. There's been yeah. a lot of deer sitting on the kitchen table in there over there. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. What's what's the biggest one you've scored at for New Hampshire? <sighs> I was just trying to think. I think the biggest one that I've scored was like 165. 165. Roscoe gets all the big ones down there. <laughs> yeah, he was telling <laughs> us about Boone that. He's a Crockett guy there. So. Now, yep. do you know the guy who shot the one? I think it was in this area. I, I don't know the guy's name. John Moulton was talking about it some. The guy is sitting behind the deer, and it's got these big palmated antlers. And it looks like it's from maybe the early 80s or 70s. And I think it was in this area somewhere. It looked like a 160, 70-inch deer, but it had big palmated, like, moose antlers. Okay, that was probably my friend John Green. John Green. John Green. I yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. do you know much about that deer or how he got yeah, it? Yeah, I can tell you all about that. I would John was a dedicated, dedicated stand hunter. Yeah. And he built the stand, and he, he went in there and set that stand, you know, religiously until that deer came through. And I think... What it ended up being the day that he ended up getting it, the deer had him figured out that, that, you know, it was safe to leave after 
you're safe to come out after John laughed. So John gotcha. went in one afternoon, climbed up in his stand, brought his sleeping bag with him, okay. and he slept in the stand overnight. Wow. And then, you know, the deer figured he wasn't there, and, you know, sometime during the next day the deer showed up and John got it. But, that was an incredible buck. Yeah, that was a, that I, was a heck of a buck. Heck yeah. of a buck. Big yeah. palmated antlers. Was, yeah, that one yeah, over two, yeah. was that one over 200? Yeah, I think that one was... Oh, 218 or something like yeah. that. Did, did, so he knew that that big buck was there? Yeah, I mean, he, he you know, he saw his tracks and, you gotcha. know, he'd been, been, you know, he he figured out that the bucket figured out it was safe to, it was safe to, yeah. safe to come out after John left. Well, John fooled him, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he went in and the buck didn't know he was in there and he figured that he hadn't come in that morning it was safe to come out. So he, yeah, that's some dedication. Some, that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you don't yeah, hear yeah. that. That's I mean, sometimes that's it takes uh, extra yeah. effort, right? You know, climb right up in the trees, Dan. He said he brought a, you know, brought a case for his rifle, so he left the, you know, left the rifle down on the ground so he wasn't, you know, breaking the law or anything. Mm-hmm. Roll up in his sleeping bag, and he said it was a cold, windy night, and the trees were shaking pretty good. But he said, in the, come daylight okay. in the morning, he dragged his gun up, and light of the buck showed up. So. What a story! Yeah, maybe we should put a picture of John's. Yeah, John Green's buck on Instagram. Yeah, we should. I think uh, John Mullen has a picture he showed us. Yeah, 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 we'll get it from him and put it up. Do you have a lot of photos of the deer that you've killed? I don't have, no. I've been through a divorce here, and, you know, this is something some of them got left behind. And Gotcha. Well, I got the horns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because I was, I was wondering. I'd never seen a lot of photos of you with your racks, or with your bucks, I mean. But Yeah, yeah, no. I Oh, I've got one in there There was... Oh, 1993, I had an accident in the woods and lost my left eye. You know, this one here. Oh, really? Had to, you know, I had to have a bunch of surgery done, and they got some of it back. But, you know, that year I, you know, I sat in tree stand that year, and, you know, I shot a buck here that dressed, I think that one was 206. And it was two-hour walk back in there. But, you know, when your eyes are screwed up, your depth perception's off. And, I, you know, I tried to track a little bit, but I was doing pretty good if you could see uphill. But, you know, you get downhill and, you know, you know, if you're stepping down six inches or four feet. So, right. So I had set in tree stand at you and got that one. But okay. What kind of an accident? Was it a car accident? Well, or? no, I was logging. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Sitting, yeah. in the, sitting in the seat of my skidder, the safest place you could be. Yeah. And I was moving ahead and I had, you know, I was pulling a bunch of logs up behind it. And I was looking like, yes, and what happened? There was a post over here. And there was a branch. This post pushed the branch out, and then when it when it cleared, that snapped back, whoops, and hit me right in the left eye and split my cornea in half. Oh, so, wow! But but it's one of those things. That at it least ended, it, it ended my logging career. So. Yeah. At yeah. least it wasn't your shooting eye, right? Hmm? I said at least it wasn't your shooting eye. Yeah, yeah, that was a good <laughs> thing. It was my left yeah. eye, not my right eye. There, yeah. yeah. So that's what. That's, that was a good thing about yeah. it. Next, that fall, I told everybody I had to wear a patch because, you know, they took the cornea out, and if you, you know, if we didn't keep that eye patched, things got all screwy there. So mm-hmm. I told everybody that year I didn't have to close my eye; I just had to patch it. <laughs> <Yeah. so. laughs> just pull up and shoot. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Quick break, then we'll dive right back into the show with Charlie Foot. For those of you that aren't following us on social media and those that are not on our email list, you may not have seen that Stagger Gear pre-orders have opened. So you can go to www.staggergear.com. You can pre-order your gloves, your jacket, your hats, you name it. And if you use the code STAGGERCAST, all one word, you can get 10% off your first order. So go to www.staggergear.com, get some gear picked out, and be prepped for the season. Well, buy a Remington rifle at the Goldie. 
Toyota Tacoma truck. Yeah, That's so. right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you're are you running a 7600 pump gun? No, I run a 7400 automatic. Oh, you're an automatic guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. A lot of people swear at them, but you know I, what I do with mine. The whole secret is to keep it from freezing up. And what I do, you know, out along the forearm there, there's a gap between the barrel and the forearm. Mm-hmm. So before the season starts, I oil the spring all up and everything so it's nice and loose. And then I tape that tape that crack right up so nothing gets in it. Okay. And, uh, you know, that old gun's been good to me. And I think oh, the main reason I do it, I've had a couple of different occasions where I've made a shot and, and didn't, you know, well, there's one, well, two different times. A deal was standing behind the stump and I shot the stump. No well, deer jumped out, was trying to figure out what was going on. Well, if you got a worky action, that deer's going to know where you are. But with the automatic, the next thing he hears is the next round coming after him. You know, so <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. You know, that's it's just, you know, when you when you're dealing with shots in a matter of seconds, the faster you can get the shot there, you know, and you take care of that gun, keep it taped up, keep it oiled up, and you know, keep the chamber clean, and, you know, I've had pretty good luck with them. I mean, there's a lot of guys that swear at them, but I swear by them, so it's... Yep. Yeah, it seems like some guys really don't like them, and then some guy, the guys that have them that use them really love them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. taking care of those 7400s is the biggest yeah, thing. Yeah, you got to yeah. keep the springs oiled up, and the big thing is keep the chamber, you know, the bullet chamber clean, so, that, you know, they claim that, that they're can be a build up a residue or something in there but you know every couple of days get in there with a brush and brush it all out and, you know it's had you know that second shot's pretty handy sometimes <laughs> yeah. That, yeah that's real quick yeah. yeah that's a real quick gun for sure yeah huh. and you running 30 out six out of that yeah yeah i do yeah, yeah. they when i bought that one that you know i used to use a 308 i had good luck with a 308 and a 742 mm-hmm. but when i bought this one they only made they only made it in a 30 odd six so you know it's about 30 odd six i mean most of the shooting around here if you shoot 100 yards you're shooting a long ways you know right yeah and yeah. these wood here most of the time it's 50 yards or less and yep so, so you're using a scope now yeah yeah you are yeah yeah i got a Oh, I got a Leopold two to seven on it, but I got see-through sights set up on it, so oh, okay. I keep a peep sight underneath it. So oh, you know, you if go. you're in an area and you get a dump of snow on it and the butt jumps up, well, if your scope is screwed up, you just drop down and use the open sights on it, man. So, yeah, hmm. yeah. Uh, I had another question that someone submitted for us. They wanted to know what you think is the best recipe for making a 200-pound buck. Is it the habitat? Is it less hunting pressure what do you think is makes the most 200 pound bucks in well i these think big mountains you know like i was talking about before you know it takes good feed to get them to weigh 200 pounds and you know this area here i think the best thing for them is a lot of logging activity okay you know they gotta get the sunlight gets on the ground and everything starts growing you know and you take these clear cuts you know in the in the summertime there there everything is green you know everything it could they could want is right there and then you know there's the plants all bud up and stuff in the winter time you know all that browse is right there and i mean all they gotta do is walk out there in the winter time and eat to their heart's content get back into the softwood and, and you know it, it it really is good for them you know this past three years we've had some wicked oak crops but i think you know the oak and the beech nuts is a great big plus for these deer mm-hmm. but i think you know the biggest thing hunt around you know hunt around some logging area and you know it tends to bulk them up you know like that one there that was 249 that was a four and a half year old deer mm-hmm. you know 
A lot of them struggle to weigh 200 pounds at four and a half years old, and he had them by 50 pounds. <laughs> you take a two and a half year old deer that dresses 211 pounds, you know, most of the time your two and a half year old deer are 140, 150 pounds. So, you know, the habitat, you know, feed them well and they grow big and fat, just right. like Vermont women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I shouldn't be so, so. <laughs> no, that's funny. That's a good stuff right there. That is funny, yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. like my ex-wife. Oh, there you go. <laughs> You're going to open a can of worms with that one, Charlie. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's just that, that logging feed is the biggest differentiator. Yeah, yeah. You think? they got to, you know, I mean, a deer, you know, like the deer out west, they grow huge antlers and all that. But, I mean, you know, they're living in farm country. The soil is fertilized. They plant them all kinds of corn and soybeans. And over on the Connecticut River Valley, you got the same thing over there. They shoot some huge deer over there, but... Yeah. You know, they're a product of the dirt that they grow up on. Mm-hmm. The better the soil, the better, the, you know, the better they are. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's interesting. In genetics, too, I think. If, have you noticed that, like, some areas just will produce, like, even if you boil it down smaller, like, some ridges will just produce 200 Yeah, yeah I've so noticed that. There's a spot, oh, I logged there several years you know the trees out there are the best trees in the in the whole area. You know they mm-hmm. they grow the fastest and have the best quality and all that. And that area there has produced some of the best horns for me. You know, oh, there, you go. there again, it you know yep. it, the, it's a good soil, good yep. habitat, good and, genetics. And all yeah, that. yeah. And then you know we've been logging in there a lot, and but, hmm. makes sense. So you're a believer in the soil argument, that yeah, yeah, good soil. Because yeah, yeah. we've heard we've had some guys say soil doesn't matter. It's just it comes down to the genetics and stuff and other people that... Well, I think, you know, another think thing, so. too, is, you know, give them good feed and then give them a chance to grow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you less, less age pressure. And, yep, and, yep, yep, yep. That's a good good way to look at it, yeah. And, you, yeah. and you're going to get that age when you're up in those in these big mountains and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, back in there, they don't get the hunting pressure. I mean, there was one place that I hunted, there was a hurricane came through and washed out the roads, and it was like four years that nobody could hunt in there, and, you know... I'm sure there's some scary deer in there. You can get in there and find <laughs> yep. them, you know. Good logging and nobody bothered them. And mm-hmm. Some big other thing, bucks. too, that the moose, you know, the moose dying down like they have, that's helped the deer out because you take a moose to eat 60 pounds of browse a day and a deer only eats six. So, wow. you know, a moose eating 10 days, <laughs> 10 deer's worth every day there, you know. That's so a good that, point. I didn't think about it like that. You know, you hear a lot of the moose arguments calling for moose to come back and stuff, which is I think they they should come back and stuff, but... Yeah, it's the yeah. first time I've heard that the moose, yeah, you know, I, making an impact on the deer like that. Yeah. So you yeah. think the moose are declining in this area? Oh, they definitely declining. They I mean, have. You used to find, used to find moose horns a lot. Now you're finding skulls and bones. There. Really? You know, when we were, you know, when we were doing our bushwhack hikes, you used to find, you know, a lot of horns. But now mm-hmm. it's just mainly bones and. No kidding. Yep. Yeah, yep. in Vermont, it seems like we're getting more and more. Yeah. Is what I've noticed in the big national forest pieces. I. I don't know. It's something about it. It's like Maine and New Hampshire, they're declining, and in Vermont and in the Adirondacks. I've heard of guys in the Adirondacks saying they're seeing a lot too. So yeah, maybe there's something I've noticed a lot. Hiking, you know, we hike a lot in the wintertime. You find, you know, moose tracks in the wintertime. If you find a bed, these ticks, it, you know, they look like a peanut M&M. Yeah. And they're just full of blood. And I mean, the moose lays down and there's blood in all Squished kinds of beds. They walk by a tree and they knock them off and the things are laying in the snow. And, you know, I feel bad for the moose. I mean, they're just, mm-hmm. they're just eating alive, you know. So, so how, do you think, how do you think you fix that? Do you, do you shoot more moose to try to maybe 
get the population down low enough to where the ticks might thin out and then yeah well you know that's what that's what the fish and game departments are trying to do is get the numbers down so there isn't the holes for the ticks right that's but you know it's another thing too it might be what you know what's known as a natural natural correction right you know there's there's a lot of them, and then they're going to go back down, and they'll level out, and, you know, maybe they'll come back up again or something. It, right. You know, Mother Nature has a way of doing things. There, Everything's you know? on a cycle, right? Because this is something that the moose yeah. population, you know, was low for a lot of years, and then the spruce budworm came through and killed a lot of, you know, a lot of spruce trees, so all that new growth came, and the moose all grew with it. And, right. You know, now it's it's going the other way for a while. But. Yep. I've never heard of that spruce budworm. What was that? That killed. Well, a lot? it was a thing, especially up north. It came through, oh, probably 40 years ago or whatever, and it killed most of the spruce and fir trees up there. No you kidding. Know, they either killed them or they went through and cut them before they got killed. And see, that started all a new growth, and of course, all a new growth, everything grows new with it. So no kidding. And then the, you know, the moves, the moves hadn't. Hadn't been in this area for a long time, and there was a lot of, you know, empty habitat for them, and they all came along and filled it, and then, it, you know, they got to the point where the bubble burst, and then they go down there. But, you know, huh. the tick is something that, you know, wasn't that many years ago. We didn't have any ticks here at all. Yeah. Isn't you that know, something, how they come? Yeah. Now they're all over the place. So. Yeah. yeah. I remember growing up, there was no ticks. I never had any ticks when no. I was up. You yeah. down there where you are? I think we've always kind of had ticks. Have you? Yeah. yeah. My in my lifetime, we have. Yeah. Maybe okay. not as much when I was real little, but I remember always pulling well, them out. You guys are young enough, so you've probably dealt with them most of your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, yeah, yeah. I've always had them. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've had well, Lyme around disease. here, you know, well, probably, well, I say 20 years or probably 30 years. I don't know. It's, it, right. it's a long time we didn't have them. It was, you know, yeah. I was amazed when I saw the first tick here in New Hampshire. <laughs> I bet, yeah. yeah. Have you yeah. Have you gotten Lyme disease? <laughs> I, no, yeah, I got it. Yeah, no, yeah. there was, oh, years ago there when I was working in the, you know, working for my last employer there, I was doing a lot of timber cruising and stuff, and they came out with a vaccination for Lyme disease. So, hmm. you know, he said, well, I'll go, you know, we'll get you the shot. So we got one shot, and a month later we got the second one. And then a year later we were supposed to get the third one, and we went back a year later, and they said, no, they aren't doing it anymore. What they didn't tell us was that these shots were giving people Lyme disease. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so... But you know uh, we you know we hike a lot. We have to be pretty vigilant on making sure that the you know we don't yeah. have ticks. Or if you got one biting, you get. And then, oh, there is a pill now. If you have, if you're even suspicious of getting a tick bite, go to the doctor. And yeah, I've taken it a couple times there. I mean, you get these pills, and oh, yeah. you know you take two of them, and you know all the things go right away pretty quick. Doxycycline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've used them a couple, three times there. You know, yeah. it was one time I was hunting in November. And, Took a, you know, took a bath at night, and there was a tick in my armpit, and all of a sudden the next day my arm was sore, and we yeah. went to the doctor, and they gave us those pills, and yep. within you know four or five hours I was back to normal again. Yeah, I don't know if it was Lyme disease or what it was, but I didn't want to take a chance to find out. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it no can be nasty. I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had a fever for I think four days, and then yeah. they put me on doxycycline for two weeks. Yeah, they had me on it, and then uh, supposedly I'll have it for life, but. 
Well, there was a guy feel, there. I feel all right. One of the jobs that I had <laughs> recently was checking logging jobs for King Forest Industry down there. And there was a logger I talked with, and he had Lyme disease to the point where he was like this all the time. Oh, Oof. man. He was on medication that cost him, I think he said, $1,400 a month. He'd been on it oh, for wow. a year, and it was, you know, he was getting better. But, you know, it attacked his central nervous system. Right. Yeah, see, I think it's if you catch it early enough, if you get the pill early enough, it won't get you as bad as yeah, if, yeah, if, yeah. if it runs long because what happened to me is i had the big bullseye on my back yeah so that's how i knew i had it you yeah, know yeah, so yeah. i think a lot of people when they get it they don't even get that bullseye yeah yeah so I then they just you. they just go on yeah and you know mm-hmm. it gets worse and worse and worse it, yeah, yeah well and i guess there's some new stuff that they're carrying too that you know it makes you really sick i had a couple friends there oh, that yeah. were you know that had some type of tick-borne disease. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, yep. If you don't, if you're suspicious, man, get to the doctor and get the thing straightened out there. You know, so there's a disease now coming from ticks that make it so you can't eat red meat. Oh yeah. Yeah, out west, right? Well, I think it's is south. It way this, oh, is it south? I think it's south. It's working its way up Isn't north. That crazy. How, like, I think actually Pennsylvania, they've already found it. Really? Yeah. So yeah, if you get if you get it, I'm pretty sure you can't eat red yeah, meat. Your body like. It like rejects, it. Yeah. yeah, like rejects red meat. Oh, yeah. Wow. That wouldn't be good. Not Man, for us, no. Yeah. <laughs> no more venison? Can you imagine that? Yeah, yeah. It would be terrible. <laughs> that would be terrible. <laughs> eating a lot of chicken. Yeah. yeah. A lot of chicken. Yeah. Yeah. I got a question for you, Charlie. Being that we're talking about cycles and, and nature and stuff, and that you've scored a lot of bucks in New Hampshire over the years. Yeah. When would you say, is there any times in New Hampshire when you would say, like, this was the best best few years that like i've the saw heyday. yeah like the heyday because i know roscoe said he believes like the last i think it was the last three years yeah he said was like right now you're living in new hampshire's golden age is there times where you can look back over the years where it's gone in cycles where it's been really good and not so good been really good you know i know wintering had winter winters have a lot to impact on that but yeah what I, do you think on that I don't know. It's kind of hard to think, you know. It seems like every year people end up here with the best bucks. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Uh, you know, there again, I think probably some of the the best bucks that I see come out of the, you know, out of the Connecticut River Valley over there for the simple reason it's excellent agriculture over there. Gotcha. And you know, we get some big woods bucks around here, and, mm-hmm. and there was a. I think you stop and think about. It, I think the best bucket I ever scored. We're talking about it before was a non-typical that came off Mount, and that one scored I think 212, something like oh. that. Wow! You that know my a, buddy, my buddy just showed me a picture of that the other day. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he had yeah. Uh, big drop tines. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he just showed my. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I think the most unusual one I ever scored. I scored the best rack doe that's ever been scored in the state. Okay, no <laughs> guy down the line shot that one too. It was, you know, it had a pretty decent rack for, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know. So would you say, like, right in the last few years, New Hampshire has been the best, best few years for bucks? Or is Probably there any time? it's getting, you know. I mean, like the last three years, we've had wicked acorn crops, and we haven't had bad winters, and you know, it gives a deer a chance to develop. And, mm-hmm. You know, guys like me lay off a trigger. <laughs> <laughs> You you don't discriminate. If you you see that you shoot the first good rack buck, you you kind of usually do. Yeah, yep. I mean this is something that you know I've gone a lot of years when I didn't even see a deer here. So you yep. know, it's, well, there's one in there I shot last year. That, you know that one probably should have been passed up, but you know it was a two and a half year old deer. It had an 18 inch wide rack, and 
you know, head tines, I think they were nine and seven inches. And It's a great buck. Yeah, yeah. It's a great you buck know, for the, these The main these beams are, I think, 22, 23 inches. But, yeah. you know, he had no mass. That was yeah, a big just thing. a young deer. You give him a couple of years, and he'd have really been outstanding. But, you know, right. he looked awful good in the scope open in the morning. <laughs> Heck, yeah. I bet, yeah. You it, can't yeah. let them go around here. Yeah. You know, I don't see. I didn't get a chance to look him over a lot. I saw a right main beam, and uh, you know the other one was there. And I said, man, that's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, yep. and you're happy. Happy as a clam with that. Yeah, yeah. No, it was good. <clears throat> Charlie, did you ever have a big one that got away on you, like a one that stands out? <coughs> yeah. <laughs> you do. Well, it was one I hunted. You know, I was telling you about a pair of sheds that we found. Yep. And I hunted that deer for a couple of years, and, you know, I never filled a tag either one of those years. But, you know, I mean, that was a deer <coughs> I think probably would have would have made 170. Wow. You know, he was... Scoring-wise. But, you know, it's one yeah. of those things that, you know, you can't kill a big one if you shoot the first one that comes along. And that's I kind of right. decided to try to get that big one. I didn't, but, you know, that's... A, but generally... You know, the first time I see a deer is when he's in my scope. You know, I mean, that's, you know, around here, there, you know, like I said, you know, I don't use game cameras. I don't own one, but, you know, I depend on snow to find my deer. And, yep. you know, and they move around so much here that, you know, they can be here on this side of the mountain a couple of days. And then, you know, two days later, they'll be on the other side of the mountain there. You know, the place where I do my scrape hunting there, you know, there's, they've, move back and forth across the mountain there it's you know probably seven or eight miles and you know they'll be one place or the other or on a different mountain they don't they don't live in their one square mile like it's supposed to around yep. here you yeah know? It's, so. it's not like farmland deer where they're living in a bedding area and then they're coming out to feed you know they yeah, got a big yeah, yeah. big big range in these yeah. mountains and for sure you take a year when there's a lot of feed you know like last year they didn't have to be anywhere they didn't want to be. Anytime they wanted to eat, they just stop and, you know, look around and beech nuts and, you know, good browse and, you know, they they aren't they aren't connected to a single cornfield or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. All right, well, to kind of start wrapping this up, but I kind of wanted to talk to you uh, about some of the deer you shot. So you said you shot 13 over 200 pounds, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you have uh, any idea on how many deer you've, you've killed total in New Hampshire? Rough estimate? You think? Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, when I was younger, when I was younger, I was hot on dope. <laughs> you got to eat. You got to eat. But I mean, then, it know? was legal back then. And then I went through a spell where, if, if I see a deer with horns on it, if he was looking in the other other end of my gun barrel, I could miss him just as well. It's because we had wicked buck fever for a lot of for a few really? years. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, right now I've got 29 racks in my house here so it's you know there's some of the small ones I didn't keep when I was younger but you know like I said I've had I've had, had my share of the years where I didn't get a deer but, yep right yep. But, and you're gonna have that when you're hunting hunting these woods for sure yeah you yep. know this country around here it doesn't you know it's, you earn them around here <laughs> you do yeah I got one last question for you Charlie sure if you could tell your 25 year old self some hunting advice what would it be hmm if you could tell your 25-year-old self some hunting advice, what would it be? Well, probably when I was younger, I didn't spend enough time in the woods. You know, get out yeah. there, get in the woods. Yeah. And, you know, like I said now, when I was 25, we didn't know anything about, didn't have tree stands, didn't know anything about the rut, didn't know, you know, the information that everybody's got today is phenomenal. Mm. I mean, you can go out in the woods and look around a little bit and say, yeah, this is pre-rot, or this is the chase phase, or this is the rot, or this is post-rot. Yeah. 
you know, and each one of those you hunt differently, you know. I mean, it's just, you know, if I was 25 today, know what I know now, man. <laughs> They'd be in trouble, huh? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the whole idea, I've learned a lot on tracking. I mean, you know, you like I tell everybody, well, they want to go tracking, they want to shoot a good buck. How do you do it? And I said, probably the, you know, the only way to get good at tracking is to do it. Yeah. Yep. You know, you're gonna you're gonna get made a fool of a lot, but every so often you'll get a look at him. And I tell people if I can have three good days on snow, usually I'll see the deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing I've learned uh, in this area here, we've got a lot of hardwood, and if you're tracking a deer in this area here. And you see a spruce tree in the middle of hardwood. Mister, pay attention, because more times than not, they're bedded. I don't know how come they seem to seem to want to bed under softwood trees, but boy, they sure. A little do. more protection, mm-hmm. maybe, or something. A yeah, even if cover. it's only a couple of them. Maybe, that's a great. Know? That's yeah. a great that's tip, a super though. Good point. Yeah. That's a great tip. Yeah. I've I've been busted by deer multiple times in that shooting down a. a yeah, a ridge or something, and then going sure quick. enough, there's just two little clump of spruce trees and gone. Gone. Yeah. See yeah. them for a second, like oh shit. Yeah. But, yeah, well, I've been. I can think of one that I tracked years ago. I learned a valuable lesson. There was a track come out of an apple orchard up there. It was one of those mornings that the snow was stuck to everything, and yeah. you know I was kind of half-hearted into it. But good track. I followed it. You know, and he's going along. All of a sudden, he's feeding and stuff, and and I wasn't smart enough to look uphill. And all of a sudden, the track went just like this. And I looked uphill and. Uh, what had happened, I'd walked right by him. He let me walk right by just as pretty as could be and snuck right out the back door. And, and I said, boy, did I get a college education right now. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, this is how you learn. Yes, you yeah. got to fail. And then the mm-hmm. next yeah. biggest thing, too, is, to, you know, you gotta you got to be looking for the deer and not watching the tracks all the time. I've screwed up on that a few times, too, you know. You look up, and there he goes, and he's been standing there watching you, you know. Yep, yep. The Benoit's called that, was it Beagling? I think they called it. Beagling, You're yeah. sitting there, head, head, nose on the track, not looking up enough, and that'll get you in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Well, that's some great advice. Yeah, we'll kind of wrap awesome. it up from there. Thank you for doing this with us, Charlie. We really appreciate it. A lot of good information there that we're going to be able to pull out. So thank you. Yep, you bet. Yeah, thank My you. pleasure if you enjoyed it. <laughs> it was awesome. Hey, thanks for listening. We really appreciate the support. We hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of fun to record. Uh, Just a reminder, as I said before, all Stagger Gear products are available for pre-order. Go to www.staggergear.com. Get yours picked out today. Thank you, and we'll see you on the next one.